1: Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Houston. In the programme this week, the Silver Ferns captain Casey Kapoor tells us just how far off she is from getting back on court. Emirates Team New Zealand may finally get to the start line at the America's Cup. Ma Nonu and Conrad Smith celebrate their 50th anniversary. Rally fans suffer a setback, with New Zealand seemingly dropped from the World Rally Championship. A former U.S. Olympic volleyball coach and New Zealander Hugh McCutcheon lets us in on the key to his coaching success. The Silver Ferns captain, Casey Kopua, is giving little away as to whether she'll return to the netball court this weekend after seven months off with a serious knee injury. Kopua suffered the injury in the test against Australia in October last year and she hasn't played since. There was speculation she'd get on court for the Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic and Sundays went over the Southern Steel, but that didn't eventuate. The Magic play the New Zealand Conference leaders, the Mystics, on Monday night. And while Kopua isn't ruling out playing, she won't confirm just one way or the other.
2: Each week we try and make progressions and try and aim um, you know, to do that little bit extra that week. Um, it certainly doesn't mean that I am playing this weekend at all, um, but definitely I'm, I'm aiming, um, I guess, for, for every game.
1: So, at what stage will you know if you're playing this week?
2: Um, oh, I don't know. Right, I won't know at all right up until, um, you know, the day before or the day off. Um, it's not just a, a matter of turning up and feeling OK. There's a lot of um, processes and planning and, you know, things going in behind the scene as well. So, it's making sure that I, um, you know, tick every box to be, uh, I guess, safe enough to go out on court.
1: Do you feel ready to go?
2: I think there's sometimes um you know that i f- that I feel good, I mean others that I don't, so it's just having that balance of the days um as, as everybody does, I guess everybody plays with niggles and things like that, so it's just making sure that um when I do go on the court, which we don't actually know when um that I am you know not at hundred percent performance but hundred percent um safe and confident in my ability,
1: although this is a wee bit more than a niggle, isn't
2: it <laughs> it is it's something something a little bit bigger than that.
1: So is there a deadline for yourself as to the latest you'd come back on, on court?
2: Um, not at all. I think, you know, when this first happened, I didn't even think that I would um, be able to play or have a chance at, at, at um, taking the court at ANZ, so it's definitely a bonus, and at the end of the day, we're still aiming to get back on the court, whether that be for Magic, whether that's for Silver or whether it's later in the year, so um, it's quite it's quite hard to put a date on it or a target, but we just try and aim each week for certain benchmarks and certain things so that I actually progress forward and don't just get I guess, stuck drifting.
1: Was there ever an occasion though that you thought you may never get back on the court? Full stop.
2: No, that that, that thought never crossed my mind. Um, that's one of the first questions that uh, I got asked when it did happen. Well, you know, after the surgery was, did I want to get back to netball? And that's definitely something that I want to do. And um, It's certainly, as I said, there's no. It's quite hard to put a target or a date on it um, because there are so many things, you know, that need to be right for me to be back on the court.
1: What's the biggest of those that that needs to be right?
2: Um, The strength. Um, So obviously, when you uh, rupture your knee and your leg is in a brace for, you know, 13 weeks, you lose all your muscle and uh, the strength that that leg does have. So um, you can't just get that back just like that. So just trying to um, build that up. You know, every week.
1: Having had this injury, has it made you realise how much of netball that you want to be part of it? it Reinvigorated really you in a sense?
2: Yes, it has. Um, and obviously, I've, I have been playing netball for a little while, so I do feel refreshed. Um, had that, I guess, a break, but not a break at the same time, both mentally and physically. But. Um, Definitely when I turn up to trainings, I'm excited to see the girls and excited to, um, you know, even though it is hard work, but get back out there and feel the burn and, um, you know, get it back amongst um, playing netball.
1: And how weary are you going to have to be? Because when you go back on court, how much do you think it's all going to play on your mind?
2: Um, at the moment, um, I have no fear of doing things at the moment. So it's just trying to maintain that and carry on um, doing that, um, because if you know if one thing can let you down, it can be your mind and the fear of oh what if it happens again, but um, in my mind, um, I have the best support network around me and and the physios um, and the strength and conditioners, so that when I do go back on court and the things that I have done, I like I said, I am confident in what I am doing.
1: What about watching the matches and given the poor performance overall of the New Zealand? Franchises, what what have you made of that? Why have they been so far off the pace?
2: Um, I, I don't know about that because, I like I still think that we're playing good netball and you know our girls, um, are putting in you know as much effort and as much hard work. So it's quite hard just to um take that by a result of the outcome, which is, is easy to do. But I think. Um, we, we just, I think, like for our team we struggle to put the 60 minute you know, performance together or we have the 2 or 3 minute lapses in each quarter um, so sometimes it's not necessarily physically, it's the mental focus as well.
1: But this season seems to be worse than others, doesn't it? Because you've only got one New Zealand team that's inside the top 4 or 5 if you look at the overall points table.
2: Um, yeah, well I guess that's true and that's numbers and you can't change that um, but no New Zealand team goes out um, to lose and I guess some days is better than others, and there's always be a winner and a loser, and I guess that seems to be happening to New Zealand at the moment. But certainly, it's not for a lack of um, trying.
1: Is it down to fitness possibly, or do you think the Australian sides have simply got better?
2: Um, I think the Aussies are always getting better, and so are the Kiwis. Um, and you know, having those challenges each week can only make it better. But I guess you know there are more you know more than what people just see on the court. So. Um, I'm not making excuses, but I definitely think that um, the Kiwi teams are still you know, putting out um, solid performances.
1: I was talking to Silver Ferns captain Casey Kopua. The prospect of Team New Zealand being on the start line for the next America's Cup has been boosted with major sponsor Emirates announcing it's remaining on board. Last month, Prime Minister John Key indicated the government was unlikely to invest more than the $5 million it already had in the syndicate. After the America's Cup events, authority reneged on an agreement to hold the qualifying series regatta in Auckland in 2017. That left the team facing an uncertain future, but this week's announcement means Team New Zealand could yet be part of the 35th America's Cup. Although Chief Executive Grant Dalton told Todd Nile that that's not guaranteed.
3: Well, it's significant not just from the fun, obvious funding point of view, but it's, it's an endorsement of this organisation going forward on its third edition. I mean, Emirates is without doubt now the biggest global sponsor in all sport and have any choice of any sport and any campaign they would like, yet they stay with us because they believe in who we are, what we represent and what we stand for and our our relationship with them is is immensely strong with the people there, so it's 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 just a relief and a pleasure to be working with them and continuing on for the next into the next campaign
4: and How far does it take you on the path to getting the campaign fully funded?
3: Well, I don't think I've got to the stage in any campaign where I've been able to see into the future enough to know when I'll have all the money together but i but I know one thing that without emirates and this significant contribution that they they uh, put into the campaign, it would be enormously difficult. And I, and that's not just a financial thing. It, it, it's the look. If we became Team New Zealand, not Emirates Team New Zealand again, I think you'd pretty much scare everybody else off as well. So everybody understands that the government is contingent on a qualifier. We'll see how that ends up panning out. Uh, but to lose a, a sponsor of the significance of Emirates wouldn't look good it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't give a good message
4: but financially is their contribution this time of a similar proportion to what it's been in past campaigns
3: yeah i i don't think it's fair right for me to talk about their their financial contribution um, but it's significant in the overall budget of this campaign it always has been and always will be
4: do you have any further prospects or announcements in the pipeline
3: yeah i i think you'll see Uh, as we turn this thing around, you know, it hasn't been anybody, you'd be kidding if you think it was easy, it'd been easy here. Uh, It's been, I don't know whether it's been the darkest days in the history of campaign on the 20th anniversary or or of this brand and the 20th anniversary of winning in San Diego, but it it absolutely hasn't been easy. So we've been lining them up, we've needed some clear air and um, a a place to, to, to put these announcements where there's not a controversy going on, and uh, this is probably that first clear air we've had. So you will see over the next few weeks us roll out um, some more announcements.
4: Has it been any more difficult to secure these deals because of some of the changes that have been going on to the future of this regatta?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, use the government alone as that example. It has made it much, much more difficult. And I think it's significant that this is, is, and I could be corrected on this, but this is the first major sponsorship announcement in this America's Cup edition, not not just by us, but by anybody. I mean, there's been little bits here and there, but this is a significant announcement. And and, I think that tells a lot about about what we're dealing with in, in terms of the landscape.
4: I know you don't talk your own team's budgets, but what does a well-funded campaign look like after the changes to the boat formats? What what is the change in the budget needed versus where it was with the bigger boat?
3: Well, it's come down. There's no doubt of that, and and time brings it down as well. You know, we've been we've been stalled, and that brings it down by by month. It it will vary by campaigns because an example of big campaigns with with sixty percent say. Of the budget spent on people, um, uh, you know, you've got to shed a lot of people to make a significant difference. I mean, changing the boat from 62 to, to, to 49 will knock a few million off, but not that much. So it's about people, and that means, uh, or, or changes of people, which is brutal. I mean, it's brutal at this late stage. And, and ask Lena Ross of that, you know, they, they, they made the ultimate sacrifice, weren't prepared to compromise. Um, and, and, you know, we back backed them on that stance. So there's no doubt that it has a, a an implication on the budget, but each campaign will vary depending on the brutality of what they do with their people.
4: So your feeling as to how the team's placed uh, with sponsors in the pipeline to get to where it wants to be?
3: I've never got this far out of a campaign. and never had confidence I was going to get to the end, and I always made it. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, this you know bermuda is a, is an obstacle in terms of a venue for sponsors uh but but as i say emirates uh, coming back on board with the organization is a great endorsement of what we do
4: just a quick one on the arbitration panel any more clarity about where and when that's going
3: no there's not it's it's going it's happening and we'll pursue it and and to the question of government money does this mean You're okay with our government money. Well, we want the government money because we want an event in Auckland. It'll it'll run its course, but we'll keep going in the meantime. It doesn't change any of our planning at this point.
1: That's the head of Emirates Team New Zealand, Grant Dalton, talking to Todd Nile. And competition in the next America's Cup is due to begin in July with the first event of the America's Cup World Series in Portsmouth, racing from July the 25th to the 26th. All Blacks Conrad Smith and Ma Nonu celebrate their 50th anniversary together as a midfield combination with the Hurricanes this weekend when they play the Chiefs in Wellington. Nonu's described their partnership as similar to a marriage, saying it's got better with time after they first got together in 2006. The partnership, though, won't be lasting too much longer as they're both heading to overseas clubs following the World Cup. Conrad Smith reflected on their combination at Hurricanes training this week.
5: Things like that are always um, nice to celebrate, and obviously, um, you know, a fair bit of time playing a lot alongside him, um, you know, test matches as well. It's uh, it's been you know partnership of obviously we've both enjoyed over the years, so it's um, you know nice little milestones like that come along every now and then. I enjoy his energies, particularly you know this year with him the side. Um, you know what what he does in a game, you know can can turn a game. He's um, you know he can do some amazing things with the ball and. Um, the way he's you know, grown his game over his career is um, pretty impressive as well. You know, he's probably good as a passer of the ball as anyone, whereas, you know, when he started, he was, uh, you know, that probably wasn't his strength, it was more of his ball carrying. So, you know, he's, um, he, he's, you know, I've played a lot with him, so I've uh, got a lot to be thankful for, I suppose. I, look, I remember when we started, um, there was a lot of us, there's probably four pretty handy midfielders with Tana and um, Tane Tupelodu, and uh, we were all fighting over spots, and, uh, you know, I was trying to push Mar out to the wing um, to play with Tana, and uh, Tana had the same ideas. So, mate, we were just fending for ourselves, to be honest. And he was just an amazing player that I'd, I'd seen a lot of, and, you know, um, playing with him was um, was pretty special. Was he playing the best rugby in the Hopkins you can remember? Ah, uh, up there. Um, particularly, you know, he's a leader now, and so, you know, it's probably different than his roles. I know he's, you know, he's been... You know, especially in those early years, he played he had some pretty special seasons as well, but in, in a much different role. You know, he was just line breaks galore, and, um, and he's still doing that now. But I, I think defensively, and and you know, like I say, his leadership and what he what he's adding to to other players. You know, I think when you combine all that, I, I think it's his, his best year. Yeah. So the game itself, I think the fans have been waiting for, for a long time. This match is it sort of echoed by the players. Yeah, I, I think there's a bit of edge. Even you know, in training today, it was. Um, you know, I, I think. Often, you know if the public senses it then the players are even more so so yeah it's obviously a big game it seems like a long time obviously we've before we've been able to meet each other and um, they've had two weeks to, to prepare themselves so they're going to come out um, full of energy and, and we've just got to you know, be prepared for that and uh, but obviously it's our home game and we just want to you know keep keep um, stringing together some good performances Do you win and win the conference that way you ranked? Uh, well, you know, if you look at the table, that's um, you know would go a long way. Uh, but you know, we've never really looked too much into that side of things, you know, all year. And so we just, you know, it's a game against the Chiefs, a team we respect uh, enormously, and, and we know they've you know playing probably if you, past performances are the best sides in the competition. So we've uh, we you know prepared for a, a real good battle.
0: Is it a bit sad? that it's coming. It is the last regular season game for you at Westpac, Hopefully, hopefully, it's a final. But it's a bit you know, coming. you
5: starting to realise that it's coming to uh, a little bit. It's not not too much. I, I don't think I ever get you know too caught up in that. I mean, I, I think it's a, a thing with players. You know, you you. I suppose you approach every game. It, it might be your last. You never know when you're going to, cop an injury or you know not get selected anymore. And so you never sort of look too far, in front of yourself. And um, but but certainly there are. You know, parts and I'm, I'm sure will carry on, you know, when you sort of get down for the last trainings and um, last times in the gym, things like that, they might come into it, but uh, not too much at the moment.
1: That's Hurricanes skipper, Conrad Smith. Motorsport fans received some disappointing news this week with Rally New Zealand organisers conceding the prospect of New Zealand hosting a round of the World Rally Championship next year as slim. Rally Australia has been confirmed as one of the nine initial rallies for the 2016 calendar after the New Zealand and Australian events had been alternating on the WRC schedule. Rally New Zealand chairman Peter Johnston says the Australian round has a lot of state and federal money backing it. But Johnston told Richard Wayne that while he hasn't completely given up on hosting a round, he concedes the WRC organisers are likely to opt for new venues in Asia. So the hopeful a proposal to have New Zealand host around in twenty seventeen near Tauranga will succeed.
0: New Zealand's very famous for its wonderful roads and scenery and the drivers actually you know really love coming here. But at the end of the day we're a long way away from Europe and it comes at a great cost to the teams to bring all their gear and cars and drivers and backup crew to New Zealand. The other problem we've got also is there are a lot of other Countries now competing for a WRC round, and the promoters are very keen to get into the likes of China and Brazil, where the, the big, you know, key emerging markets, the car sales. So, you know, a little old New Zealand down here, while we've got the best of everything, we lack a little bit of population and a little bit of money horsepower.
1: So inevitably, there can't be two of you, there's just got to be one, and, and this time, it seems, the Australians have won out. Is there any sort of bitterness from you guys that the Aussies waving the checkbook?
0: No, look, I think that's commercial reality, you know, but the thing at the end of the day is the structure, the event, their roads is not as good as ours, their their structure is terrible. We put on a really great show in 2012, we really showcased WRC and we showcased New Zealand. So look, we know we've got better facilities and we run better rallies, so we've just got to keep pushing and and, uh, look, I'm I'm sure in the future we'll, we'll be back on the calendar.
1: Yeah, well, this uh, 2017 uh, sounds hopeful that at least, you know, you'd be right back in there again pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, look, it's very political, and as I said, there's a lot of challenges from other countries, but, you know, we've got a track record, we're unique, we are very famous in WRC rally. We go back, it's actually 50 years in 2017 that we first had our first international rally, so... You know, there's a lot of history there, and I'm sure, you know, that a lot of that will count to get us back.
1: It does seem that the motor racing world, money does talk. I mean, obviously it's a a very expensive sport, but, um, you know, like Formula One, the likes of Bahrain getting the nod over uh, some of the more established Grand Prix's from years and years now. It just seems there's not a lot of loyalty anymore.
0: No, well, look, I think, you know, the reality is that the uh, promoter's going to go where he he gets the best return or the best favours. And uh, that's life, that's business. So we've just got to work our way around that.
1: That's Rally New Zealand Chairman Peter Johnston talking to Richard Wayne. One and a half idiots per team is all a top flight side can cope with, says Olympic gold medal winning volleyball coach Hugh McCutcheon. Formerly from Christchurch, the 45-year-old McCutcheon left New Zealand when he was 20 to play volleyball in the US. In 2008, he coached the US team to an emotional gold medal at the Beijing Olympics after his father-in-law was murdered at a popular tourist attraction in Beijing just before competition started. Four years later, he was back at the London Olympics, this time with the US women's team, taking them to a silver medal. McCutcheon, who now coaches at the University of Minnesota, has been back in New Zealand recently running coaching clinics. I caught up with him and spoke to him about his coaching approach and what's helped them succeed.
6: Across the board, the idea of, um, you know, becoming the best you can be and then and, um, embracing the ideals of competitive excellence are uh, kind of universal. They're not certainly specific to volleyball. Um, so it just comes down to how you might implement some of the things in different codes. And so uh, through uh, different lessons learned and experiences that I've had and... and um, and things that we, we were able to apply with the teams that I was working with over the last few years, um, you know, we can get into discussions and see how principally those things might be applied uh, in a different sport, even though the, the application of those principles might be quite different.
1: What about personality-wise or approach-wise? Do you see that much difference between a top-level coach in New Zealand and a top-level coach in the United States, in whatever sport?
6: Um, well, it's hard to comment, really, Stephen, because I'm so... Uh, immersed in, in my field, and I, I don't, I mean, I, I do get some, you know, general exchanges with other coaches in other sports, but, but I don't tend to spend much time in their gym or on their pitch or field or whatever because because um, I'm busy trying to take care of the team that I'm working with. So um, I, I think it's hard for me, me to make too many sweeping statements because uh, I thought the opportunity. Um, To to hang out with the the Crusaders uh, coaches was awesome. And generally, um, you know, across codes, there isn't that kind of uh, interest in exchanging information, Uh, at least not in the U.S. It tends to be pretty um, isolated or insulated within your own sport. The openness and candor with which uh, people are prepared to talk about coaching and uh, elite performance is really a, a strength of New Zealand coaching culture, no doubt.
1: You've got an interesting sort of coaching approach or philosophy that I see, I've read that you'd say a team can only cope with one and a half idiots.
6: <laughs> Did that get out, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure where you saw that. But yeah, that, that was a general uh, idea that I had about high-functioning teams is that, um, you know, you can have, for want of a better term, you know, one complete idiot so long as they're, you know, exceptionally talented and they're adding a ton of value from whatever physical talents and abilities that they have. And then, you know, Stephen, maybe you're going to be a bit of an idiot today and maybe it'll be me tomorrow, so that can be in the half. You know, it can bounce around a little bit, but um, you know, certainly when you get to two, then you've got a, a little click of, of idiots and then they'll start recruiting and then uh, it puts your, your culture really in jeopardy.
1: What about culture? How, how much of a culture did you have to institute at the University of Minnesota?
6: Yeah, well, I think culture is key. And, and every every team that you uh, that you build, every organization that you lead, you know, you, you have to really be conscious of the culture and, and how the things that you want to achieve and how you want to go about doing that, how those things get translated in terms of day-to-day communications and action. So, yeah, culture is really important.
1: And how many idiots did you have to get rid of? <laughs> Well, we didn't have too many idiots
6: at the University of Minnesota. We just had people that had signed up for something different, and that's a completely different uh, animal. Um,
1: Different in what sense?
6: Well, because, uh, you know, the recruiting in college volleyball happens quite a ways out. So the people that were there when I arrived, I didn't have anything to do with their recruitment. Um, But after the first couple of seasons and seeing how it was going and kind of trying to get the the lay of the land, I could see that there were things that that needed to change. And once we started implementing this cultural shift, then there were a few people that, um, you know, uh, through no fault of their own, just uh, it wasn't what they signed up for.
1: What was the cultural shift that that they couldn't work with?
6: It was about, geez, uh, all of a sudden what I'm doing on the court and what I'm doing off the court is is being uh, held to a standard And do I really want to be a part of something that's going to take that amount of energy on and off the court when really all I signed up for was to come and play volleyball, not really to come and try to be the best in the nation or whatever it is we're trying to do.
1: I was talking to Hugh McCutcheon, the former coach of the U.S. men's and women's volleyball team. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. Remember, if you wish to contact us, you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz. And you can follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now.
0: Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long.